Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Thanks for listening this Tuesday, June 29th, 2021. Topics on today's episode include my interview with Britt Barker and Andrew Weiss on determining where automation should be applied in your lending process for optimal performance, as well as the latest happenings in the bond market. Say what you will about huge companies not having an impact on housing, MLOs can't ignore the fact that they're here. The latest example is global real estate investment and land asset management company Walton Global Holdings launching a build-to-rent line that will leverage its more than 81,000 acres of U.S. land assets to create near-term opportunities for single-family home rental developments. On a much smaller scale, living at the beach sounds nice, but expensive. So visit robchrisman.com for the link to the 10 most affordable beach towns for 2021, as well as the latest employment opportunities and lender and investor reactions to government loan changes. Doesn't matter what you pay people if they don't have the time off occasionally to enjoy it, right? Today's podcast is presented by Origins, a CU Direct brand. Origins provides integrated origination technology solutions that transform the lending experience. Their end-to-end digital mortgage platform covers the entire lending lifecycle, from application to closing, giving mortgage lenders the ability to replace their POS, LOS, and CRM stack with a single modern platform. Or, use the modular capabilities of the platform to integrate Origins anywhere in your tech stack, wherever you need to make the biggest impact on your lending. With origination, processing, underwriting, closing, funding, and delivery under one innovative platform, lenders can achieve big results in less time and at a lower cost with Origins. Speaking of which, today I wanted to welcome back to the podcast Britt Barker and Andrew Weiss to discuss how to make the biggest impact with automation. Britt Barker, Origins' Vice President of Enterprise Solutions, is an experienced sales and product executive with 20 years of helping financial institutions improve their lending performance and exceed consumer needs. He's recognized as an industry leader with an innate talent in balancing strategic focus with operational execution. Britt is an authority on consumer, mortgage, and indirect lending, with expertise in facilitating the transition of new clients into the financial lending market and enhancing lending programs. Andrew Weiss is Senior Vice President of Mortgage Origination Platform Strategy, overseeing long-term direction and current capabilities of mortgage products. With over 30 years' experience in the mortgage and consumer lending space, Andrew has held a wide range of strategic roles leveraging business rules, workflow, analytics, and commercial off-the-shelf solutions. He was most recently a principal at Stratmore Group and previously was COO-CTO at Overture Technologies and Senior VP of Advanced Technology at Fannie Mae overseeing the creation of desktop underwriter. Andrew, I wanted to start with you. A challenge for lenders is determining where to apply automation in their lending process. When should staff be used versus systems? What advice would you give to lenders when faced with this challenge? Well, thanks, Robbie. I think, you know, the first thing that lenders have to recognize, and certainly a lot of them do, is that not all borrowers want or even be willing to live with the same process. So, There's no sort of single answer to that question. And what that means for lenders is that the technology needs to support a range of processes around different borrower paths and not by doing everything differently, but being able to adapt, if you will, uh, to what the borrowers really want. And it needs to look at that entire process from what I like to call the twinkle in that borrower's eyes all the way through uh, the funded and sold loan. A twinkle in the eye. I love that. 
Yeah, Robbie, much has been said, and oh my gosh, think of how much money has been spent on borrower-facing tech. And a lot of that borrower experience is becoming table stakes. But if it doesn't fully integrate to the LOS, it does not create that optimal experience that lenders really want for their borrowers. And as borrowers, we know that can be frustrating and fall short of our expectations, regardless of whether it's really the tech or whether it's the staff the staff empowering that experience. You know, as borrowers, we don't want to be asked the same thing multiple times. We've got to know where we are in the process and then communicate with me in the way I want you to communicate with me. Those are some of those frustrating moments for a borrower. And the key to a lot of this is to get all the elements of the technology working together. Um, So rather than a separate set of things that are staff-facing versus those that are consumer-borrower-facing, is really getting that platform to integrate tightly. And honestly, without the expense of integrating all of the separate brands of components um, is really key. Yeah, I remember one time when I was trying to get a mortgage, it was this company that touted themselves as a completely digitized process. and I filled out the forms and I'm thinking, cool, let's, uh, let's, I uploaded my documents, let's get this over to underwriting, it'll be fast. And immediately I started getting barraged with phone calls and I'm thinking, this is not what, I, not what I wanted at all. This is not what was advertised. And so that was obviously very frustrating to me as a borrower. Britt, I'm going to start with you on this next question. What efficiencies are gained when lenders actually automate their core systems? What kind of impact does that have on their lending programs? There's just steps in this mortgage manufacturing process that should not require human intervention. Some of the things like ordering third-party services or preparing the document sets. But then there's others as borrowers that we want that human touch. If I'm going through this for the first time, take good care of me, hold my hand. Or if it is a difficult, complex, self-employed income assessment, absolutely there needs to be that human touch. So eliminating the manual steps that can be automated in favor of value-added steps that require humans to get involved, that's where I think we start to get that better efficiency, the customer service, and and what lenders need, right? The the pull-through. There's this argument, I think, going on that we have to look at. And as a technology company, we're really analyzing this, that where do lenders become more efficient? And is it really the technology that is the advancement? Or is it the adoption of that technology? Or is it really the data and having the right data to make the decision? It's really a combination of those things, but we're kind of positioning that, you know, having a system that ensures you have the right data to make the proper decision, whether it's frankly a system or a human making that decision, that data with that technology is really the key to the efficiency that lenders are looking for. And so, Andrew, what kind of impact does that have on lenders' lending programs when they're able to implement this and uh, get things flowing smoothly? Well, I, I think there's a huge potential impact on, uh, on efficiency, obviously, but I think you really want to think about balancing efficiency with that customer service. You know, there's this sort of common view and perhaps an older view that you can only have one or the other. You can either be efficient or you can have high customer service. And and I think we would contend that with the appropriate use of technology, you can actually get both. 
and part of the challenge is really this notion that it's it's obviously complex with all the regulation. Everyone knows that, but being able to tailor those uh, flows, if you will, those workflow orchestrations, as we like to call them, for each of the borrower situations is super important. And you need something that really enables that level of complexity without giving up the places where you can be efficient through automation and the places where you really need that human touch. So it's a very complex equation, but one I think that uh, you need technology to satisfy and you just can't assume that everything's going to be one size fits all anymore. Yeah, and that's a great point. This is a very encouraging conversation because historically, whether you're selling automobiles or ice cream or mortgages, it was always product, price, service, pick two. You could never have three. So it sounds like automation is is really making it where lenders can kind of have the best of all worlds here. Yeah, and I think the, the one piece I would add to that is it's automation in concert with how you design your, your process. So even though we are a technology vendor, Clearly, you need to uh, build your business process around the smart use of that technology. And that's something that sometimes lenders forget. You can't just slam a new piece of technology in and assume it's going to fix everything. You need to really find that balance between the process and the technology. That's actually a great segue to what I wanted to ask next. Obviously, you can't slam a piece of technology in and think it's going to be great. The ease of configuration needs to be factored into every lender's platform decision. How should lenders approach automation to ensure this while also maximizing impact on their lending? Well, it, you know, it's this interesting conundrum in the mortgage business. So we're so used to making mortgages the way we have for decades, but we need to, at the same time, adapt to some pretty rapidly changing market conditions. Um, and so you need to find that balance and find the way to move your technology rapidly. I would just add, I think that what Andrew's saying there is key. It's really, it's coming down to as a lender, how do I astutely adjust to my marketplace? And if I'm listening to the Chrisman commentary, it's the numbers, the discussions, right? Everyone's pointing to, hey, this transition from refi to a purchase dominant marketplace. And so now I, as a lender, I need to be able to manage my loan products, my loan programs, and easily change my tech and my process with this configuration so that I can take this team that I have, regardless of my size, and consistently make those adjustments. And I want to be able to do those myself. I don't want to call my tech provider and say, okay, I need to make this change, this change, and this change, but have that ability in your own hands, in your admin's hands, and that ability to, all right, here's where things are going. Here's what I've decided I want to do. And as a team, we're going that way. That takes that idea with configuration and enables it to be realized. Yeah. And I might add that, you know, this obviously can come with a cost, right? You know, there are an awful lot of lenders out there who who want all this, but they don't want to have to pay for it. Um, You need to acknowledge that that cost is there um, and acknowledge the skill sets that are required. But at the same time, if, if you do it and do it well, it really gives you the ability uh, to uh, establish yourself in the marketplace, establish the differentiation that you as a lender are looking for, and really, uh, in our strong belief, the benefits uh, outweigh the costs. Certainly. It sounds like those that are 
shunning or delaying automation when it comes to their own lending practices are, are only missing the boat in a sense. And so the sooner they can get on that, uh, the better off they'll be for the long term. Absolutely. Well said. Well, guys, I wanted to thank both of you for coming on today. I think this was a great discussion and uh, I look forward to having, having you all back soon. Thanks, Robbie. Rates dropped and agency MBS prices rallied to open the week. Chalk it up to animal spirits, especially since it was an uneventful day with no new information coming to light since Friday morning. There were concerns about global growth prospects due to the Delta COVID variant and restrictions by foreign countries to contain its spread. Domestically, Richmond Fed President Barkin said he thinks the Fed has made substantial progress toward its inflation goal to start tapering asset purchases. Without any real data on the day, investors were looking ahead to releases later this week of construction spending, ISM, and the latest jobs report. We have the unemployment data coming out this Friday, but it is always helpful to look at economic data over time, especially housing data. Last week's housing data, 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 I keep switching between the two, highlighted an otherwise quiet week of economic releases. While sales of both existing and new homes fell in May, both segments are still strong, with existing homes at a 5.8 million unit annual pace and new homes at a 769,000 annual unit pace. The median price for a new home in May was $374,400, while the average sales price for a new home was $430,600. Despite a decrease in foot traffic, many builders still have lengthy backlogs due to prior month's sales, labor, and material shortages. With the number of completed homes near all-time lows and existing homes selling in an average of two weeks or less, there's a limited supply of homes for potential buyers to view. The good news as far as housing is concerned is that lumber prices have begun to decline and shuttered mills have come back online in the U.S. and Canada. Today's economic calendar gets underway shortly with Red Book's same-store sales for the week ending June 26th. The Mortgage Bankers Association's latest forbearance and call volume survey revealed that the total number of loans now in forbearance decreased by two basis points to 3.91% of servicers' portfolio volume in the prior week as of June 20th. According to MBA's estimate, 2 million homeowners are in forbearance plans. Later this morning brings the April FHFA Housing Price Index, April's S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index, and June Consumer Confidence. The day's lone Fed speaker again sees Richmond's Barkin speaking on the outlook and monetary policy. Today's schedule sees the desk conducting two operations targeting up to $4.1 billion of conventionals. We begin the day with agency MBS prices nearly unchanged from Monday and the tenure yielding 1.48 after closing Monday at 1.47%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. I went fishing last weekend, but after a short time I ran out of worms. Then I saw a cottonmouth snake with a frog in its mouth. Frogs are good bass bait. Knowing the snake couldn't bite me with the frog in his mouth, I grabbed him right behind the head, took the frog, and put it in my bait bucket. Now the dilemma was how to release the snake without getting bit. So, I grabbed my bottle of Jack Daniels and poured a little whiskey in its mouth. Its eyes rolled back. It went limp. I released it into the lake without incident and carried on fishing using the frog. A little later, I felt a nudge on my foot. It was the snake, with two more frogs. <laughs> Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Origins. With the Origins Mortgage Platform, you can offer your borrowers and loan officers a truly modern mortgage lending experience. Discover the mortgage platform designed to evolve and scale with a rapidly changing lender landscape. Visit origins.com today. That's O-R-I-G-E-N-C-E dot com.
If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.